Welcome to Advanced Fashion Disruption, with co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville, where we discuss the tragic, the predatory, the glory, and the deep beauty of fashion. How do we start? This is an episode. How, 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 how do we start the podcast <laughs> when we're not pretending to call each other? Uh, and so it begins. <laughs> and, and we're live with Miss uh, Megan Somerville, uh, designer extraordinaire, and my silly ass. Hello. Hey, Benson. <laughs> At least once a day, I have to nearly choke myself to death on my own saliva, just just as proof of life. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm um, still feeling like I've, I've got to stick my hands into the earth multiple times a day to mm. cope with stuff. <laughs> um, but I think um, at the same time... <sighs> I'm starting to clear my design table. I'm starting to um, get the um, final uh, samples in for my piece for Miss Rachel. And so like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like there's a different energy in my studio, but like the energy is different in my emails now too, because tis the season again for um, all of the shows that are, you know, popping up in your inboxes of, you know, come to this city for our city fashion week and come to this city. And so like, that's kind of really what's been on my mind. And, and I know that that's one of the big reasons why we started this podcast um, was really to oh, help open yeah, people's eyes about that. I, you know, I, I get multiple invitations a day from the same organization. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a, Right on. You, you want to spread the word. You want to have good outreach. Um, but you have to understand if you are one of these shows or organizations that's trying to engage me either as a ticket buyer to come and watch the Go-Go show um, and make myself feel like I'm part of the fashion industry by being there. Or if you're trying to entice me to give you five, six, eight, hundred, eight thousand dollars to showcase my designs at your show, you've got to realize that you're going to reach a saturation point where you just get marked spam and, and I never see you again. So um, mm -hmm. if you are a, an organizer or a producer, please, please calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just once a day would be lovely. I, I can deal with once a day, three or four times a day. I, it's just too much. It's the same with my political organizations. I'm going to give the money that I'm going to give to the organizations I'm going to give it to, and you trying to rile me up three times a day about more now than ever. Bitch, please. What the hell did you do about Roe versus Wade? Why am I going to sink more money into you for now more than ever? Now more than ever happened in 2016. Now more than ever happened in 2020. You had two years to handle it, and you didn't. Doesn't mean I'm not going to support the progressive party and the progressive uh, uh platform and the progressive candidate, whomever that may be. But really, this is not the time. Please let's not use women's health issues, the loss of their humanity in America as a way to scrape by more money. It's And, and honestly, the, the pitch and the ticket sales to get people involved in spending their opportunity cash or their hard earned cash to do these little junk shows is just it's 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 a bit much. It's abusive. 
Yeah. It's abusive. And, and, and we do always, we do always seem to circle our wagons and head back around to this subject. And, um, it's just so pervasive. I mean, even even the stuff that comes past the spam filter, I don't know about you, is pretty prevalent of, you know, trying to call people in to make money for event planners, you know, and, it, and it's like, it seems obvious, you know, once you've done it before, once you've been duped, <laughs> fool me once, <laughs> but, you know, it's true, everybody, that is looking to be a part of the fashion industry, but not actually do the fashion are trying to figure out their place. And I think for far too long, it's been easier for us designers to think, okay, well, if I just stick to my design stuff, somebody will discover me. And 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 and, and because we all have hundreds and hundreds of agents coming through our studios, (laughs) in our basements, closets, bedrooms. Right. Uh, You you don't get discovered necessarily. I can't say that it never happens, but it is just so unlikely. So you do have to have a progressive plan on building um, your brand, building a collection and, and, and you should know going into it before you spend a goddamn red dime, uh, who you're going to sell to and how you're going to sell it. That should be in place on day one. I mean, it's one of the first questions I ask people who come to me and we, we discussed the shit out of, uh, annoying dream designers pretending to be about something when really all they want is expensive work done cheap on our uh, phone, a fashion friend, or as I uh, called it online today, phone to passion fiend. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? Uh, it, it really is. Um, it really is. Uh, Miss April, I am casting right now. I will give you a call back, darling. Uh, how late is too late, darling? Okay, yeah. I'll, we're not going to cast for too long. I'll, I'll, I'll try you, and if you're uh, not available, just, you know, hit the red button. All right, love. You see, real life happens even while we're podcasting. That's uh, Miss April, who's an astoundingly talented artist, uh, and she used to be the media director for my company, talking about branding. And it was her sole job to develop the um, look and feel of the company and to disseminate um, important information about our company, our product, our events, to the media and to people. So that's another thing that you've got to plan for. You, uh, when when somebody, I don't know about you, Megan, but when somebody, and it's, you've got to remember I grew up in Detroit and I am a, a dude with beige skin. So when somebody gives me the pitch about, well, we can give you great exposure, I begin to unzip my pants and say, I've never had a problem exposing myself. That's fantastic. And they sort of turn white and run as fast away as they can. But but quite frankly, it's the truth. I mean, if, if you want a media attention, dress your fucking models, take them down to the center of your town with, with, with a huge boom box, do a dance number and fucking disappear. I guarantee you, you will get noticed. And it won't cost you a dime to be in some hot shit box uh, making money for some shit box idiot. So I, I, I just wish that people would get uh, with the program and understand that before you buy your first 
yard of fabric. You need to have an in-depth plan about how you're going to market and sell and not only how, but to whom. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, nobody in their fucking right mind is going to buy a diaper, people. I don't give a fuck who waddles down the runway in it. Nobody in their right mind is ever going to buy a diaper. I don't even care if you call it a bondage Jesus loincloth. No one is going to buy it. So you have to make certain that you know your customer, that you know how you're going to reach your customer, that you know your price points, that you know how you're going to sell to your customer or to the people who are going to sell to your customer. Uh, Before you invest a dime, have a plan. Yeah. You know, and, and I, am I am I wrong? Am I am I just being a cranky old asshole? Uh, this seems to me to be the most basic um, truth of our industry. Well, and you got to have a plan. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's that whole I'm going to get discovered. It's that you know somebody else is going to do the really really hard work and just propel me forward you know auto magically <laughs> my favorite term for that and so like um you know i i think that a lot of people just don't really even sit down and and you know do that mental exercise of what does this business look like at this you know at 5% 10% 20% um all of these different scales of profitability so that they get a clear picture about you know inflation for what it's going to cost to even buy the products for their goods i mean like just so much goes into it and you have and you you do you have to think about it all it's not going to be your sewing house it's not going to be your pattern maker <laughs> like for the love of god you know your your sewing people aren't going to magically make your hang tags for you you have to go do that <laughs> you have to get you you have to get all like I was just uh, talking to somebody who who was going to order several bowls of fabric, and I informed them that there's now a fuel surcharge. Oh, and like yeah. they, they they were like, well, I then I if I have to pay an extra seventy five dollars, I don't want it. And I'm like, well, I mean that's fine, but where the fuck are you going to get it if you don't get it from the? And why would you expect that with fuel at an all time literally an all time high in the U S that you shouldn't pay more than you you were quoted four months ago before fuel shot up. What are you thinking? Even Uber and Lyft and Grubhub and Instacart are all charging a fuel surcharge. This is called cost of business. We have to pay to be in business, which is why it is ultimately important that you don't waste your opportunity cash and your cold cash on bullshit opportunities that are really just an abusive boyfriend who's going to but fuck you and send you out bleeding with maybe a Big Mac if you're lucky. Yeah. Was that too graphic? Because that's really what it boils down to. It's like it is a trashy boyfriend that treats you like it's crap. a trashy boyfriend. Like, hey, babe, let's do... ditch the tab. Fuck you. Well, I want right. to come back here they're, and eat. <laughs> they're they're going to do a mo- ass to mouth and send you home telling you that you've had uh, a, a mint frappe. And that's not what you're getting. And, and it's abusive of these people to entice you this way. I mean, it, it is it is literally abusive. It's gross and it's ugly and it's so pervasive. Um, and, and they're getting so good at it. Like the stuff that Rachel Elspeth Gross, shut up, Rachel Elspeth Gross, sent to us in our, in our joint messaging. I mean, it looks so polished and so pretty. And, 
And of course, once I started reading and realized they didn't even have a proofreader and that their grammar was the grammar of an eight-year-old student, I was like, yeah. well, I guess anyone can say pretty pictures and format it nicely. But, but they put on this very smooth exterior. And then when you get there, it's some dude in a dirty apartment with a mattress that has no uh, uh, sheets on it. There's, there's shit stains on the mattress. There are needles on the floor. You're afraid to go into the bathroom for fear of what might crawl out of the toilet and kill you. And this is the show that they are actually, this is the experience that they're actually giving you. And then they don't understand why you don't want to shut down and, and hop on top and take a ride. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because I didn't sign up for, for, for a Skid Row experience. I did not sign up for for one thing uh, that was sold to me as another. And this is another thing that that maybe you can address. Um, I have no problem when I am sold a bill of goods and I have prepared and I have done my own media campaign for a show. When I get to a show, if the venue is not right, if it's a shit show, I will pull on the spot. Oh yeah, like I gotta walk, sorry. Yeah, like I didn't like. I'm not even putting my models in this environment. Uh, I've done it, and and actually, apparently, I have a a bad reputation in Austin for pulling. And I'm like, I whatever. You should all have a reputation for pulling when they sell you a bill of goods and then and then hand you a shit show. If every single one of you motherfuckers who is so starved for the spotlight and for attention for your poorly sewn bullshit rags would just tell them to fuck themselves and walk and do a chargeback, they would stop presenting shit shows. They might actually be enticed and incentivated, incentivized, excuse me, to create a show that is actually going to do something for you mm-hmm. for a change. Yeah. yeah. You, I, this, real, this whole subject, you know, this subject oh, gets under sense. my skin and I go, I go dark and deep at it because to me, um, it is a form of rape. It is a form of rape to, to promise one thing and deliver another, to damage people uh, because you get off on taking their money. This is, this is a form of non-consensual intercourse. And intercourse doesn't have to be sexual people. Intercourse means basically the dealings between one or more persons, two or more peoples. So they're involving you in an intercourse, promising you lovemaking, and really throwing you on a dirty pool table and having at it. It's not okay. It's it's not okay. And I'm sorry for being so incredibly gross and graphic, but maybe that's the only way some of these folks will get it. Yeah, because it it takes people's, sometimes their desire to want to create after going through a really unsuccessful show and really, you know, pouring a ton of talent into it and i think i told you what my very first runway show was that i got talked into by a friend of a friend and it was just it was literally my first show and then i was headed up to dallas right before texas next top designer and um we get we get all of our models we get everybody fit for the week we have everything done um we all show up at the venue and it turns out that it was a swingers club that some of my models were definitely not comfortable with. Yeah. And and if I had been in the business longer, I you, would have pulled enough, out. <laughs> if, 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 if any of you 
are young and innocent enough not to know what a swingers club is. It's a place where married couples and uh, just couples in general and sometimes uh, single people go and they all fuck publicly. Mm-hmm. Definitely not the place uh, that you want to be doing a fashion show, especially if you're a lingerie designer. And you're doing because you are sending couture. out a message <laughs> that all of those people dripping in couture lingerie um, are also there to be had. And that's a dangerous, dangerous situation oh, for the designer before. and for the models. Who's up? How many did just sell how many did just sell to those naked Zero. people? Zero. Zero. And how much did it cost you to clean all the spooge off once you got the stuff home? I mean, like I had different garments to be able to um you know do my little face to face thing in front of their judges. Um so but this particular venue was on the way to Dallas from Austin. So um, I essentially was having to pack um, two shows worth of things in a car and and be in two different places in 12 hours. <laughs> you know, the, the first show that I pulled, I didn't pull out of it. The first show that I, that I did, actually it was the very first show I did in Austin, was a fundraiser for a, a gentleman whose brother had died of cancer uh, twins. One of them died of cancer. The remaining twin ended up with the same cancer. Great reason to do a show. I was very much into it. I loved the costume designer and the group that presented it. They were they were sort of flip side burners. So their their idea of a, of a show w- was not the same as mine. And that caused some friction. Um, and we got there and they, they had not created a dressing space for us. Mm, and we what? had 12 looks to show it's okay <laughs> i mean I, I mean it's okay mm-hmm. i i don't really think now that it was done on purpose i just think it was a lack of understanding the necessity of having somebody show up with 12 models and four hair and makeup people um and two dressers it's not a problem mm-hmm. we all shifted back to my house everyone got ready but i i was not going to have them put on lace couture garments, get back into cars, walk down the street from a parking lot and up the stairs to a nightclub uh, to hide with too many cocktails and lit cigarettes um, to do a fashion show. So I, I dressed two of them. I dressed a male and a female. The rest of them I put in the best lingerie we had. And, And our show was literally the first male and female came out they took a pose, they stripped, they picked up their garments and held them very artistically. The rest of the models, one at a time, joined them until we had a fucking Vogue goddamn Richard Abaddon ad. And then when the last one struck their pose, the first two marched off the stage, through, through the crowd, <laughs> down the stairs and out the door. And we all met at Hudson Burger. They had no idea that that was the show that we'd left the building. They were expecting us to do one of our big numbers. And I'm like, well, you know, the only reason to do this show is to raise funds. We did our part. But the only other reason to do this show is to have people talk about us. And I will tell you, they talked about that for two years. That's fashion as performance art, people. Yeah. So It was kind of uh, like that, second- what, what uh, is it Tom Brown or is it? They're different. Print- oh, yeah, Tom Brown is one of them, and, and there's several. But like several. when he did the um, women's look this year um, for fall uh, 22, and he essentially made it look like the um, there was a bunch of late guests coming to the runway show, but that was the show. 
And I'm like, oh my god, that's fucking endearing. <laughs> yeah, no, John Brown is a fucking goofball. Uh, he is going to be the person whose runway show is most often shared as a piece of humor so that people who think that they're involved in fashion can make fun of it because they don't understand uh, avant-garde expressionism, and he's brilliant at that. Am I going to wear his stuff out to a nightclub? Probably not in its entirety, but he's always got good pieces, and what you see in the stores is not what you saw on the runway. Tom Brown understands how to get people talking about his fucking collection, and that's the point of it. Yep. So, uh, in the end, my show that I did not charge for, that I did not get paid for, that I did not pay to do, Gave me two good fucking years of press in Austin, Texas. Because I do, zip, know how the fuck to expose myself. I'm a master at it. I was known for my theatrical presence before I ever left Detroit when I was just a young 20-year-old. I understood that people knew they were there to see fashion. Said so right in the title. Fashion. Show. The part that no one took seriously to me was the show part. So we put on multi-tiers of choreographed um, um, dance moves and, and integrated runway. And we kept people just riveted because they'd never seen anything like it. The last show that I did in Austin was at Vulcan. It was supposed to be the most elite show and it was its own shit show. There were some designers there that had some cool stuff. No one had a full collection. We showed 36 pieces. And I literally had, I can't tell you how many people come to me afterwards, like pissing themselves, going, I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, well, that's a goddamn shame. Um, yeah. So even then, not not paying Mr. Uh, Swineherd uh, to be part of his elitist party, I still, we, I mean, analytics on Facebook, we had a great analytic program that we were running. We got more mentions for our our little 12-minute set than anyone got that year at Austin Fashion by XYZ, whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Um, so you don't have to pay to be abused. You don't have to pay to play. You don't necessarily have to be paid to play, although that is my preference. Uh, as long as you're going to be able to show your goods and create a buzz, it can be worth doing. But you don't have to pay some fucking half-wit party planner to do that. My God, stop traffic. Put your fucking models on, on, an, on, on an overpass, one of those caged overpasses over your main freeway at 5.30 p.m. and let a half a million people see your beautiful clothes hanging out over the freeway. And have a Just creative sure hashtag you, and have them holding signs so people can find your ass. Signs. I mean, come on. There are so many ways to expose yourself <laughs> without like unzipping and, and without getting on your knees and unzipping a show planner and giving him a blowjob for the privilege of exposing you. I mean, what the, what the, what, what the fuck people, what are you thinking? Yeah. After you're doing not thinking so, and that's the problem. Yeah. After doing so many of these, and I would call them formulaic, uh, God, runway I wish that party. there was a formula. I wish that there was a formula. Well, that, there's a formula that, almost... that they are all, all are using that are not creating for success for anybody. Oh, yeah, but themselves. yeah. I guess, I guess it's a formula without ingredients because there's nothing in that pablum that's going to give anyone any sort of nutrition. So I, I guess to that extent, you could call it formulaic. But yeah, I mean, they don't even have a. They have one plan: sell tickets, make money. Mm -hmm. 
And as you've seen, even the shows that are super hyped can end up being a bunch of half-ass, poorly sewn, poorly constructed, poorly conceptualized designers who, who admit to having no inspiration and a sweat box that makes you wish that you were uh, um, nude and powdered. I mean, it, uh, you you just went to one in Denver this this year. Mm. Um, I, I was really sad that it wasn't better, but but I, I one of my uh, 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 young students of Padawan, not young, but she's young in, in the design world, actually was going to pay to play there. And I'm like, you know, there are more red flags than white flags. And there are certainly no checkered flags telling me that this is a go. If you just really feel like you need to experience a shit show, do it. If you've got the money to throw away, do it. But go in not expecting anything good. Why the hell are you going to put in 178 hours to show some beautiful work in a venue that they haven't even listed to fucking other designers that you're with? Yeah, They haven't even sent you any information about the show night and the show six weeks away. Huge red flag. And I don't know about you, Megan, but I don't need more than one. One's enough now. I'm like, okay, where there's one, it's like cockroaches. If you see one, you know you've got 10,000 in the walls. <laughs> They're going to come spilling out before you know it. They're going to come spilling out at some point. Just put some bread on the floor and see what you get. So I, I, I um, yeah, I'm, I'm, Pe- I'm, I'm. People that are making it. these clothes need to be as creative with their shows as they are with their garments. And, and 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 creative garments, Megan, aren't enough. Mm-hmm. You've got to have well-sewn garments. I mean, honestly, I can't say it enough. And Megan has said the same thing in her own very polite way. If you look inside of your garment and would not purchase it at a store, what the fuck do you think you're doing showing it on a runway? Yeah. And if you can see threads or <laughs> zippers are... Real hanky. Um, it's it, it should have been edited before it came out. You know, you know that's just all there. We have a saying here in Detroit, and I, I don't know if it, it, it's predominantly within the black community. Uh, we'll look at something and say, "Well, remember that just because you can doesn't mean you should." <laughs> You know, when yep. you see when you see somebody in something that is completely inappropriate and they're like, well, I can wear it. It fits. And, and, and you'll hear like an elder black person say, well, honey, just remember that just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and, and you know, that, that's a whole lot of wisdom right there. Man. Just because somebody is willing to take your money to let you show your your McCall's and simplicity pattern knockoffs poorly sewn, poorly fitted, poorly hung, poorly draped, poorly resourced, poor shit fabric doesn't mean you should. Because I'm telling you, if you show at a show that is not for students or beginners or amateurs, and you are presenting yourself as a designer of fashion at a fashion show, and you bring that out onto the runway, I will never forget and I will never pay attention to anything you do again ever i don't care if you become alexander mcqueen i'm going to be like like, yeah somebody else is obviously doing that work (laughs) because i saw their shit a year ago and no one learns that fast so and and we all know somebody who did that opened a whole store pretending to be a tailor and was actually having a nice mexican man locked up in his garage sewing for him 
He wasn't making any of those. He wasn't sewing any of those. I don't even know that he was doing anything but picking the fabric. Well, I mean, uh, and, and, and picking fabric's fun and all. I like, I super enjoy that. Well, However, I mean, I, <laughs> how do you make a career out of that? <laughs> well, I mean, many people do. Uh, well, and, yeah, and, and, I and I guess There's that's okay. But all the, of the tears. But but like, you don't don't pretend that you're about something if that's all you're doing. Don't pretend. Don't 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 even pretend. Don't pretend. Yeah. Do the work. Do the work to understand the industry that you think you want to be a part of. Do the work to understand what it means to be a fashion designer. Do the work to understand what it means to be the creative lead of a label, of a brand. Do the work to understand who you're going to sell to and how you're going to sell it. And then invest in one good sewing machine and a couple of bolts of fabric to start. Nothing worse than somebody who thinks that they might want to be a designer, but they don't really want to invest in a halfway decent machine. So they buy the $69 Singer Merit Special at Walmart, only to realize it's a paperweight that's going to bounce across the table and is never going to sew right. Mm -hmm. They come away thinking that they can't sew because the equipment was inferior. I mean, it's an investment every step of the way. It's an investment of time. It's an investment of spirit. It's an investment of resources. It's an investment of opportunity resources. And if you cannot make the investment, if you cannot make an investment of time to actually have a business plan to go forward, please, Taco Bell now is paying $17 an hour. Yeah, the grocery store in the... Um, bakery section is like $21 an hour. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I could go sell some cupcakes. I know. <laughs> Do I get to taste occasionally to make sure they're fresh? I mean, I'm down. That's a lot of money for selling some cupcakes. I know. The bakery, you'd smell like sweeties every time you came home. It'd be kind of amazing. Well, you know, vanilla is an aphrodisiac. It's proven. I, well, there's such beauty. I got to see a sidebar. I got to see an actual <laughs> real orchid. Um, so I, I don't know if I've been told you that I got into the whole plant thing during the pandemic and I'm, I am telling myself that clippings don't count because <laughs> I'm trying to get them to root into an actual plant. So like, you know, trying to get something to root into a jar to be a plant one day does not count as a whole last plant. But with that being said, they, at the shop that I buy the majority of my plants from, they had a real orchid and their flowers are gorgeous <laughs> like I, and intoxic and intoxicating oh my god the smell of a real orchid is intoxicating it was really gorgeous <laughs> i didn't realize how like they are like uh dracula blood red mm-hmm. and they're just it's it was just i but when i saw it i just t- it took my breath away i was like oh and i went back a- about a week or so later going yeah 70 dollars is reasonable for a flower and uh, it was already sold so orchid. i'm like Phew. yeah well thank god <laughs> well you know and, and interestingly enough you talking about clippings and trying to get clippings to root to turn into whole plants you have a process underway and you're investing the time and the love and the energy and the resources into trying to get uh, clippings to root so that you can bury them and have real flowers. It's the same process in fashion, my darlings. Mm -hmm. You have got to actually be willing to do the work. And if you're not, it's okay. 
there are other jobs in fashion that do not involve your ego. You could become somebody who sews buttons to cards. You could become somebody who displays fashion. You could become somebody who who is the person who intakes all of the new wonderful textiles. So you get to see and feel every bit of it before you stock it for the cutters uh, to use to make garments. You don't have to be the designer. If you don't want to do the work, find a part of our industry that is is requiring of you the amount of work that you're willing to put out and do that. That's okay. And you're still part of our industry. Mm-hmm. It may not stroke your ego as much to say that you basically design children's socks as it would to say that you're doing coacher accounts. But it could be just as well paid and just as fulfilling and far less soul taxing. Right. It's a big job to be the creative director of, of a label, let alone two or three labels. Megan, uh, I'm I'm actually going to prophesy. Megan Somerville Fine Lingerie is about to split off into Megan Somerville Fine Lingerie and Megan Somerville Couture. I've seen it. I read your card, sister. I drew your beads and read them. I saw it in the ruins. You're on the precip of beginning your own actual couture label. So eventually you're going to be the head, a creative director of two labels, uh, soon to be three. I think there's a children's wear line coming for you. Oh and, and a complete menswear line. I'm just saying. My daughters I see these things are like you. already in the fabric. I and I, you know, I can't make licensed things uh, or fabric that has been. Oh, I should back up. Fabric that has been licensed from a particular look feel show um, from places like Joann's are available on the market, but people like us cannot actually make items and sell them um, at large. It would have to be a custom order from a client. Um, anyway, to get back to the point i bought some fabric that looks like sally's dress from um uh nightmare before christmas for christmas yeah and my daughter came down and she's like are you making me my first bra out of this and i'm like i'm dying inside benson i'm like oh like how old is she so she uh my oldest um is nine and a half she like literally had her half birthday she counts that (laughs) abigail's abigail's ninth birthday is going to be uh this month (sighs) and like you know uh we got tall and mature really quickly and i think that that's kind of what my oldest kiddo is going through right now but the fact that she is now looking at fashion completely different i find super curious and it's almost like she's drawing fashion plates that i'm finding all over the i could gush for hours about you know her artistic skills it's definitely different well than i'm mine. <laughs> i'm going to let my own secret out and you notice that megan did not deny that i'm mom's aware <laughs> she did not deny the, the prophecy that I made. And I will tell you all, my beautiful listeners, Megan has not indicated that to me at all. I literally found that in the cards. When I read her cards and I that I threw some beads and some ruins, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just claim this for her. Um, Adora Bell is my children's wear line. And just this last week, the young woman from Western Michigan that I've hired to be a junior designer to work with me on that line came up with some designs and i'm like these are delicious but they're 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 definitely not four to nine years old so i think that you have started uh, it's a little ahead of schedule but i think that you are ready to start a tween line for me 
9 to 14. Because uh, young women in that age group do not want to look like children. And actually, children don't want to wear cutesy shit either anymore. Don't don't give them a puppy T-shirt. They'll look at you like you're fucking insane and say, I really prefer the Xenia print. Can I have the Xenia print? Yeah. How do you feel about leopard, uncle? (laughs) Well, I feel wonderfully about leopard. I just thought it was too sophisticated for you. Young people are horribly sophisticated. I know beautifully. There's nothing horrible about their level of sophistication. I remember Um, in middle school, um, and my mom had a beautiful jewelry collection growing up, and I know that that is something that I have kind of carried on um, in my daily dressing is, you know, statement earrings or statement jewelry. And she had this necklace, and it was this multi-tiered, multi-beaded bib collar necklace thing and i wore it in middle school i'll have to post a picture sometime maybe to our facebook please do um but it was way like way more mature than what a middle middle schooler should be wearing but that like i found my aesthetic very early on um, well, you know, I, I was wearing all black from kindergarten on, <laughs> and people's, my, my favorite childhood question was, whose funeral are you going to? <laughs> and very Wednesday Adams, like I would look at them and I say, I don't know, perhaps yours. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I understood the power of black very early. I, I liked black. It was simple. I didn't want to have to get up and roll out of bed and try to choose to look cute. And I had other things, but but by and large, I would gravitate toward the black pants and the black shirt and the black shoes. Um, I might occasionally throw something really vibrant and bright on, like navy. But um, I, that's always sort of been my aesthetic. Oh, and listen, um, Lauren Kranz, that's my young associate designer, the junior designer for Adorable and uh, the one that's going to work on the tween line, Shout out Lauren Kranz. Uh, she and I were just discussing um, beginning to roll with the collection. Uh, we have to select the actual inline fabrics and program fabrics that we're going to use. All of the samples are made out of job fabrics. Some of it I can probably get more of or have more printed, um, but we're going to need to photograph them. And I'm like, yeah, I have these two amazing young girls in Denver, whose mother I implicitly trust, and there's a photographer there that I really trust, and I trust them to find girls who are diverse. We need uh, a, a black girl, we need an, uh, a, an Asian girl or two, a black girl or two, because it, it, it is a diverse line for a diverse group of children. Mm-hmm. Um, so very soon, you're going to be getting an ass big box of kids' clothes. I love it. There's so many great places to shoot here, B. I mean, it's just... And, and, yeah, no, I, I and you know, I just showed you that I'm thinking about applying for a job. Uh, and you know, with, I said, uh, no, I'm like, this... do it! Apply! You yeah, do it! <laughs> Why are you even asking, should you do it? Yeah, I may, I may apply for a job at one of the higher learning um, um, centers there in Denver. I'm open to a change. I'm also, my cousin's like, honey, you know I have two bedrooms in the house I just bought in New Orleans. And I'm like, well, I I can kind of work anywhere. Um, New Orleans doesn't have any fashion curriculum, but they do have merchandising. And it's just a hop, skip and a jump from merchandising to a fashion curriculum. And I think if I were to pitch a fashion curriculum, they would probably make me the head of the department and let me set it up. And New Orleans would be a wonderful place to teach fashion and, and to develop uh, young creative minds. I so I'm open here. to changes. I really want to stay here and, and develop the apparel 
culture and and create the jobs that I came to do. But that doesn't mean I can't do multiple things in multiple places. The world is actually very small when you have a penis. Well, and I found um, out that my 98-year-old... Not a small penis, so. <laughs> Not a small one. I found out that my 98-year-old um, great-uncle is moving from Florida back to New York. And he used to be a ballet instructor. I think we talked about that before. Oh, I love that. And yeah. um, his partner who um, judges... Is this a gunkle yes mm -hmm. you have a gunkle i didn't know your gunkle your uncle was a gunkle he's a gunkle gunkle is a gay uncle yeah. it's a very specific special thing to have in your life and um and he was you know this formal ballet dancer um but of course you know needing to flee for florida for being the word that you can't say down there which is gay and um you know uh, I think that it's a lot like that. It's like, you know, following where you need to be at that moment. And, and I always thought that he would just retire in the keys and, you know, I mean, it was such a beautiful estate and, um, well, I guess if you can't say the word that can't be named, he's done. Yeah. It's why I came to Michigan from Texas yeah. when they were, when they, that horrible law that they passed, which now seems quite liberal in comparison um that law originally was if you have an abortion we will kill you yeah and i thought oh no and at the same time they were talking about reversing uh uh oberfeld 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 versus whomever to reverse the gay laws and i'm like i'm michigan just put in a female governor and a lesbian general attorney um i'm going home i can't deal with this machiavellian back woods swamp witch ass place anymore it's time to go uh and, and so i think your uncle's probably having a very similar reaction like fuck these motherfuckers enough enough and if he can sell his beautiful key west estate and buy himself a manhattan penthouse i say more power well, oh he has a partner yeah well i would they, totally hook up with an 82 an year old in new york <laughs> i would totally hook up with an 87 year old i'm just throwing it out there but this is also the uncle that um you know was friends um with andy warhol and so he has some of those paintings and he's I just a very amazing dude his name is brooks jackson and i know i know brooks jackson i think well i can't tell you how i know but i think i know him and he was a he was a ballet dancer it, it, formally was a ballet dancer i mean like still he'll be sitting in his chair and you know tapping his feet at least these are the reports that i'm getting from um my aunts or my mom's cousin when you when you do you talk to him i don't my mom talks to his partner because he doesn't do the technology <laughs> you need to find out if your uncle used to frequent a place called the the penthouse it was a very exclusive gay club of the upper west side of new york Okay. If he did, I know exactly who he is. Quite a gentleman. Uh, he's just ab like if I had a son, I totally would have lobbied for the the Brooks Somerville. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, wouldn't that just be lovely? I mean, Megan, get to it. I'm saying ugh, fifty, fifty. I'm pushing fifty, man. No. Oh well, honey, you know it. Fifty is the new twenty-five. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Fine. 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 I want to be the kind fine. of successful that somebody else can help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'd like to have a son now, and you look good. Anyway, I, and I love that. And wow, you know, not forcing her to have that baby for you, but actually 
uh, rewarding her and taking care of her while she does it. I think that that's a lovely thing. I think it's a lovely way for people to have children. Um, but, you know, again, no one's being forced. If I said fuck Greg Abbott lately, because oh if I haven't fuck Greg Abbott and fuck Clarence Thomas and fuck the goddamn uh, uh, Gestapo running the Supreme Court right now. Um, enough politics for the day. Uh, have we covered our subject? I think we have. I think, well, until it like uh, rears its ugly head in somebody's email to the point where we can't shut up. About uh, it well, again. you know, this is, this is going to be a running thread in the tapestry of this podcast. We cannot warn people enough. We cannot cause them to think enough until it stops. And the way to make something stop is to be a loud bitch about it. The squeaky wheel gets the what? The oil. Mm-hmm. So I love you. I've had a wonderful time visiting with you a couple of times today. To our listening audience, this is our Tuesday podcast. It is going to go out on Wednesday because I think that Megan deserves to, I don't know, grocery shop and uh, dig in the dirt and play with her children and see them off on their camping trips. And I didn't want her to stress herself to get this out today. Uh, we had a canned interview, which was going to need several um, uh, trigger warnings and uh it was eaten, and even though we thought we had recovered it, it was not completely ready to go. And I said, you know, I think it was enough that I talked about that subject. I don't know that we need to put that subject out for everyone else to listen to and be triggered by. So we decided we would record a whole new episode, which covers some of the same themes. Uh, abusive men of power and prestige taking advantage of people. Yeah, um, and just like... Be on the lookout in your community. Ask to join model or designer communities where you can do the digging um, to know who you're working with. I think it's really important. And listen, it's okay to say no. Mm. It is sometimes the very best thing to say to an opportunity. I, I know as a young designer, um, it's it's really easy to feel like every opportunity must be seized, but every opportunity is not equal to every other opportunity. And here's the biggest piece of wisdom I can give you, and I know Megan will back me up. The best opportunities are ones that you yourself create for yourself, because then you get to be the author of the opportunity and you get to decide what that opportunity is going to be and how it's going to serve you and further your career. Right. And as you decide to do things or hold on things, you'll get better and better at it. But if you listen to our podcasts, you can have a head start. <laughs> you can have a head start. You know, I, I don't know, Megan, if you knew that I was invited and accepted to do the New York Couture Fashion Week. Uh, it's it's a quarter of a million dollar buy-in. Yeah. And, and at the time, um, we, we had the ability to, to raise that. And I looked at that opportunity and I thought the one the one reason I would do this is because it would legitimize everything that I'm trying to tell these little backwater assholes about the fashion industry to try to guide them to solvency and uh, create an apparel culture there in Austin, Texas. But to me, spending a quarter of a million dollars that way didn't make sense when I could spend that same quarter of a million dollars refurbishing uh, my tools and on, um, on um, a publicist. 
I mean, there, there are better ways to spend that money than going and doing, not to say that I won't, I was honored. I was fucking honored. I was floored that they invited me. And when I filled in my application, they invited me to apply, uh, that they accepted me. That was great for my ego. It was great for my belief in myself, but it was not an opportunity that I needed to afford at that time. This is not to say that I won't do it. It's on my list of goals. And apparently once you've been invited and accepted, you just need to send a check when you're ready. So I will do Co-Chair Fashion Week in New York eventually, but I won't do it when the cost of the opportunity is too great, yeah. when I could spend that that cash in ways that will actually grow my business brand and my stability. Yeah. That having been said, Megan, I want to show it New York Co-Chair Fashion Week when you're ready to show as well. That would be so fun. I mean, we will we will book the Waldorf fucking ballroom and do our our show in the Waldorf. It would be absolutely phenomenal. There's just so there's so much about New York and the discovery of so much there that is just very enchanting. And and you know, when people talk about New York and it is everything <laughs> you know, it is it is everything right? they say it is and and i don't ever want to live there i just really love going there <laughs> right no new york the first time i went to new york um i, I got off i flew into uh newark and took the bus across uh uh the water the hudson uh, to Port Authority, which is a bus station that's like 17 stories tall. Mm-hmm. And I walked all the way down Broadway to um, uh, uh, Piedmont Park, where I met my friends. And we went into the East Village, because at the time that was where all the cool arts and punks hung out. And I remember sitting on the stoop of a brownstone and a Coca-Cola bottle rolled across the street, glittering in the light. It was slightly raining, so the street was black diamond. And it clinked against the um, curb. And I said to myself, New York is a city where even a Coke bottle rolling across the street is inspirational. And it's true. New York has such an intense, creative vibe. It's the combination of violence and poverty and wealth and longing and desire and creative output that, that, that it feeds my soul. And L.A. is very much the same way. It's not the same beast. It's actually a much bigger beast. Yeah. And L.A. informs my soul the same way. Um, the other place that oddly feeds my soul in that exact specific way is the southwest deserts of the U.S., being in the desert, alone in the desert, feeds my soul in a way I never would have expected being a city boy. And of course, Detroit feeds my soul. I can say fuck here and no one even blames. They're just wondering why it took me so long to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you swore because you haven't said fuck in two days. Well, I fucking do swear. Um, I like being from Detroit. I like being from Detroit and I like not being afraid of anger or rage. Uh Growing up here, I, I've always understood that anger is an energy and that energy can be directed uh, destructively or constructively. And so I'm never afraid to be angry or or enraged because I know that I can direct that like a laser at something that's going to uh, have a positive result. And that's why I love working with you, because you are so 
chill and so well raised. And I love that when you get angry, you're by the time you're ready enough to rage, you're ready to move mountains. You're not one of those people that gets angry and just vents uh, at people. You get angry and you you take your anger and turn it into an action. And I love that about you. Oh, thank you. I like working with you too. It's just been it's been very oh, I'm just a- healing and it's just been really inspiring really really inspiring well it's just my asshole energy and, and by the way it was the, the the bad purse maker that thought i was an asshole uh, am i right uh, i don't know no oh no no nope oh, god damn it there's somebody else that thinks i'm an <laughs> asshole well you know what i'm glad because at least they remembered me oh <laughs> <laughs> uh... One day on the download, you're going to actually have to tell me what that is so I can make it right. Yeah. I don't I don't like that somebody was obviously hurt enough to think I'm just an asshole. I'm definitely an asshole, but I'm a whole hell of a lot more. There's a whole body around, around that asshole, people. And most of it's very nice. If you look past the asshole, there's the whole rest of the body. <laughs> well, you're, but you know what? what? How dangerous is it to be a human that doesn't have an asshole? I know. It's, it's, I'm just saying, the outlook, if you don't have an asshole, so you, have, <laughs> you have a bag on your side, and that's not a pretty thing. It's it's a really difficult life. Um, I've, I've, I've known several people that had different versions of, of the colostomy or ileostomy bag, and it's, it's not pleasant. Mm-mm. So be thankful that your body has an asshole. And be thankful that there are people in your life that will that are bold enough and honest enough to be assholes when it's appropriate. Yep. And you know what? Everyone should practice being an asshole once in a while. I think we'd all be better off if we had been a little less polite for the last six years. Yeah. Personally. I, th- I think that it's just been a little too cozy, cozy and placating. And um, I don't know. It's just so hard to watch. They go, part. They, they go low and we go high was a great soundbite. And it made sense at the time. We're at the point where they go low. We've got to reach into the dirt and grab them by the throats and pull them out and let them die and wither in the sunlight. It's it, we're we're past that. Come on, people. We are we are potentially twenty four months away from not being uh, in a, in, a, in a society that has any types of freedoms. The Supreme Court is already looking at ways to prefix the twenty twenty four election. Well, they are making some incredibly dangerous decisions right now. Yeah, they are. And and my my favorite is they go low. We go like a Turkish wrestler into their pants and pull on their dick until they fall <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> and I am all about hot oiled men wrestling nearly naked. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They go low and we need to go even fucking lower to bring them up and raise them up into the sunlight again. We cannot be afraid of, we need to get our fucking men need to get their balls out of their goddamn purses and stick them back between their legs, find their goddamn spine and stand up for their women. It is gross to me watching social media these last 10 days at the lack of men speaking out. And there are plenty speaking out. I, I thankfully I can report that, that I know many men who have found a voice, but, but, but the utter lack of, of numbers uh, in response to the uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade is appalling. So, gentlemen, you need to do better. Stand up. For you something. need to do better. Get over your fucking self. Find a voice. Speak up. Because I guarantee you, every one of you came through a woman. Yeah. And if you're not willing to fight for women, you need to just consider, I don't know. 
I'm, I, you just, I don't know. Um, go kick rocks, read a book, but fucking do something uh, other than stand I'm in the way. I'm a big fan of MASH in the 70s. I can tell you that suicide is painless. Mm. That may be your route. If you cannot participate, then just take yourself out. Better luck next incarnation. And yes, that's a horrible thing to say. And I'm an asshole for saying it, but the point becomes one. Well, and, you know, I think that people are not used to hearing such pointed talk about um, changes in some universal rights for women. And I think that the LGBTQIA community two plus <laughs> a, a double oh, okay double there are 27 good. letters um and a few symbols now <laughs> that that community really sees what's coming down the pipeline and there's a whole lot of fucking rage and so like when we were talking earlier like how are you and i'm like i didn't wake up super fucking angry so that's different um you know but it's not better <laughs> because by the end of I, the day i've seen enough news flashes on my phone to be like <laughs> and, and that's appropriate and i wish that more people were at the ah uh, stage i i appreciate your female and women supporting memes i'm now seeing dozens of the same one we've reached saturation what are we going to actually do about it we know how you all feel now so your feelings and your rage and your anger are energy that needs to be harnessed and directed at making positive change it's time i mean come on bet midler is making most men look like <laughs> like kindergarten boys that have peed their pants uh, even though she is being uh uh criticizes the transphobic along with uh macy gray right now which is weird because betman they're certainly not transphobic right um and, and and we all have to be able to say things that may not be the most appropriate and we need to be um understood when we say things that don't sound right and we all should be given the benefit of doubt um there are some people that have said incredibly transphobic things jk rowling one of them uh, there's no there's no doubt at all in what she's saying um but let's not get tied up on the words and the vowels and the perfection of any one person let's come together in an intersection and realize that we can work on the verbiage later but right now we need to get a very direct message across to the powers that be that we're not gonna take it oh no we're not gonna take it we're not gonna take it anymore it's true. Dee Snyder, where are you when we need you, honey? <laughs> I know. Oh. Well, Benson, I have to go and do a little bit of um, audio work. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm hoping that we can catch up again on Friday. We will definitely catch up again on Friday. And um, transparency, Megan, if before Friday you have time to put some more episodes in a barrel, it might not be bad because my moving... Uh, stuff into storage process is going to start this weekend. Yeah. So I'm going to be pretty unavailable. And I know after I move this entire floor's worth of stuff into storage, I'm going to be pretty exhausted. So it would be a good time for us to have a few episodes in the barrel. Yep. We don't, however, uh, pre-record 
our uh, phone of fashion friend. Those are always recorded on the day at earliest the day before so that we can be on topic and on top of what is currently happening in the world. Yep. Um, in closing, I'm going to remind you to please support Angel for Fashion at angelforfashion.com. You can also go to our website, advancedfashiondisruption.com, and find an Angel for Fashion link. Please support Ukrainian designers, because even though we're having a cultural war against women and marginalized people here in the United States, the Ukrainians are actually still under bombardment by the uh, histrionic diva Putin of Russia. And their situation is untenable. We must support them. We can do more than one thing at a time. Also, when you go to our website, please do consider visiting our Patreon. And at the very least, buy us a cup of coffee. This is not inexpensive. It's not free. We spend money to do this. I'm not going to beg you for money because we enjoy doing it enough that we will invest. But it would be lovely if somebody wanted to buy us a cup of coffee or 400 <laughs> That's right. And thanks so much for listening. And thanks for joining me. Thank again. you for listening. And we will see you on Friday when our topic will be. Uh, do we know what our topic on Friday is going to be? Mm -mm, nope. I'm going to slam through the fashion headlines and listen to a couple of uh, the other um, podcasts and do some research and possibly bring in something new to talk about. Can, can we possibly uh, put on our list? I would like for us to have a frank, open discussion, and I would like to invite Rachel Elspeth Rose. Shut up, Rachel. Rachel should come. Shut up, Rachel. Rachel should come and be on the show. I would like us to really just have a frank, uh, transparent conversation about what our plans for the Global Voices of Fashion are going to be. I think it may be time to bring people into um, our mindscape about that so that they can help us build it. I love it. All right. I'll touch base with her and we will talk on Friday. All right, ma'am, you have a good night and tell the littles, uh, oh, they're off camping, aren't they? Uh, well, they're trying to talk us into letting them sleep in the trailer tonight. And we're like, no, no, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not 1960 anymore, kids. This is not a safe choice. I'm sorry. Nope. Uh, well, anyway, tell the littles that Mr. Benson said bad idea. I will. <laughs> and I'll no, talk to you right. soon. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. You can find all of our episodes at advancedfashiondisruption.com. And there you can click on Angel for Fashion, as always, to support Ukrainian designers. It's not over just because you're not hearing about it. I would like to invite each and every one of you to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And if you're just listening from our website, just drop us a line. We love hearing from you. If there's a subject you'd like to talk to or somebody in the industry that you would like to hear from, please reach out and use our contact form on our website. Have a great week.